Good morning. Uh, man, I, I love sitting there and, and looking at who's saying hello. And, and uh, I don't shoot it back, but hello to everybody that's listening. We're here at Matt Nanny's uh, in Man Matt Nanny Johnson's home. Of course, the boys are here. And we have Michael Berg with us today, which is a real pleasure. We also have a special guest, uh, Isaiah Moore, who we just had the opportunity to meet. And so uh, it's been fun getting acquainted with him. And, and so we are worshiping together. Of course, Linda's here as well. And uh, we're, we're enjoying this worship. Man, uh, I appreciate Chris so much. Thank you, Chris, while you're watching. Uh, I appreciate so much your stepping up and, and uh, uh, just challenging us with that of making good use, at least taking some time this week to appreciate and be so thankful for those uh, military people who have, who have lost their lives. And I'm so thankful for uh, all those uh, soldiers uh, who've been a part of our congregation, those who have moved on and, and those who are with us now. And and uh, we just love you all so much. And, and uh, man, we are so appreciative of what you're doing and what you have done. Uh, we've been walking through this book of, of Daniel. Here's some of the thoughts I've had this week or actually after over the past few weeks or we're starting to get out more I don't know whether you saw we were traveling and there's cars like several cars in front of homes it seems like people are starting to gather together and go out to restaurants and and that's been refreshing and some of the conversations we've had uh, it's hard not to express some of the frustrations and the frustrations have been I think more over all the messages that are out there over this pandemic. Uh, frustrations of what decisions are being made. And I, I think a lot of the frustrations are, are of all the different messages that are out there. Uh, that that can be frustrating. You have the naysayers, some of the worst are saying, man, it's gonna be years before we recover. Have you heard that? It's gonna be years before we recover and, and our economy is, is just, it's going to take a long time for it to, to recover. I even, probably one of the worst things that I have heard came from one of the main uh, main players in, in the medical field who said, we will probably never shake hands again. Now, I, that, that's, uh, that is definitely naysaying. And, and so uh, to think that we will never be close again is, is quite a bold statement. I, I've talked to some folks who are really frustrated and, and uh, I, I don't know, can we put it in terms of there's a frustration, there's some of us who have been fearful and some of those are, are matter of fact, even just feeling this, this sense of helplessness, just just unable to, to uh, move about and, and do the things uh, that, that we have been familiar with and, and living our lives as, as we have enjoyed. And again, that all because of that freedom that we've had. And once it's taken away, man, we appreciate it so, mo so much more. We're in Daniel chapter 5. And let me, let me set this up. In Daniel chapter 5, there's, there's quite a bit that takes place between chapter 4 and chapter 5. We know in chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, that was his testimony. But after chapter 4 and before chapter 5, Nebuchadnezzar has passed on. Matter of fact, there's been a series of kings that has uh, taken his throne. Uh, for a period of six years, three of his sons had taken the throne. One for a period of two years, another for a period of four years. And, and, and one, the last one, in that six-year period, uh, was on the throne for two months. 
he was only there for two months because a revolution took place. So obvious, I mean, one thing we could say is after Nebuchadnezzar, then, then the kingdom of Babylon is not as in as good a shape. We, we could at least say that. Um, in this revolution, a new king takes the throne and his, his name is Nabonidus. Uh, I'm getting all this information from historians of, of old. It's not, this is not in scripture because there is such a span between four and five. Nabonidus has taken the throne and he, actually he rules for 17 years. At the end of that 17 years is the, is the fall of Babylon. Now, Nabonidus was not a, uh, a relative of, well, he was not a son of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. He, he was a son-in-law. Uh, he had married Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. And, and so he is the one taking the throne. Uh, in the period of time, we don't know exactly when, but Nebuchadnezzar began to work farther away from home. And during that time, he had seated uh, his son named Belshazzar uh, as, as kind of a co-region uh, co with him. Uh, he, he, he ruled over the great city of Babylon while in that territory of that kingdom of Babylon, Nabonidus was out and history says he was out rebuilding temples that were destroyed in certain cities. He, and I imagine that as it got close, uh, became close to the end of Babylon, uh, he was dealing with more and more threats that Babylon was beginning to receive from uh, kingdoms, from Medes and, and, and the Persians. And so he was uh, going to war. Matter of fact, uh, the period of time that we reach in chapter five, just to, just to lay it out there, is actually the final day. It was the very day in October of, uh, let me see, uh, 539 BC that Babylon fell. And um, the chapter five is that day we're about to read. Now, Belshazzar uh, is, is quite aware of the circumstances. Babylon is a weakened state. There is, uh, a matter of fact, Nabonidus is not only uh, attacking the threats, but he is losing some battles. And so this, this much we know. And, and at this time, uh, Belshazzar, unless he is absolutely blind and, and is not listening, is, uh, is, is, he is definitely aware of the circumstances that Babylon is facing. Uh, which is close to just its, its fall. So keep that in mind as I begin to read this chapter 5 of uh, Daniel. Verse 1. King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets and had them that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem. And the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. As they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze, iron, wood, and stone. I'm gonna stop there. I got a couple other verses I wanna read in just a moment, but I throw out this question. What? <laughs> After all, I just told you about the, the just the weakness of Babylon, and and the threat 
of, of the kingdoms of the Medes and the Persians. Uh, and, and the first thing that happens is King Belshazzar is throwing a party. And, and so the, the question is definitely what, what's going on? And two thoughts uh, definitely come to mind. Uh, perhaps Belshazzar is putting up the white flag and saying, oh, that's it. We might as well just party. Let's party. Let's go, let's go out swinging, you know, let's, and the swinging isn't with fists. It's, it's with dancing, you know, and, and merriment. Um, second, uh, and, and this is where I, I believe there's evidence that we, we lean towards this, that, that it's actually a tactic. This is, this is uh, in his own thinking, this is the best thing to do. We're going to throw a party. Thousands of nobles, or a thousand of the nobles, and 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 my concubines, my wives. We're going to throw this party, and and then it adds in this taking the goblets uh, to to drink from uh, that that were uh, sacred. Uh, then it also talks about worshiping or giving praise to these gods uh, in in some kind of morbid thinking. Uh, maybe Belshazzar was trying to make an appeal to those gods to come to Babylon's rescue. Now, that is some of the thinking that's there. Either way, either way, you have to believe that even from the, from the beginning of this, Belshazzar was afraid. He was afraid. Whether, whether you say, well, let's just party, or whether you said, well, let's, let's do what we can to appeal to the gods. Uh, he was afraid of what's coming. It was out of his control. Verses five and six then. Here's, here's what happened during that party while they're all celebrating together. Verse five says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster wall, plaster the wall, wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. His face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and his knees were knocking. Oh, he had real fear. See, see, before, I, I, I can't imagine that, that there wasn't this figurative writing on the wall, you know, the, some kind of message out there, evidence that this kingdom is in trouble. And then during this, this party for who knows why, except for the fear of Belshazzar, now the writing absolutely appears on the wall and that message is from God. And, and, and so... Well, we continue with the story, and, and it what sounds kind of familiar with what happened between Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. Now, uh, Belshazzar, in this case, uh, summons the wise men. Come, come, tell me what this says. Tell me what it means. And his wise men are baffled. They they can't tell him what it means. They can't translate it, and they can't interpret it. And, and then uh, the queen comes to Belshazzar, believing that this is actually his mother that comes, who would be Nebuchadnezzar's daughter. And she says, hey, dad had, or Nebuchadnezzar had a man who was chief over all, who was leader over all the wise men. And he was able to, he was a man full of knowledge and understanding. And he was able to interpret dreams and reveal mysteries. And so, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, Belshazzar, uh, summons Daniel. Now, if you're doing the math and you take a little bit of time, there's numbers in here that you could figure Daniel is, is pretty aged by now. He was a young teenager, then 40 years of Nebuchadnezzar's rule, uh, followed by six years of other rules, and then 17 of, of uh, Nabonobus. 
uh, we're looking at upper 70s, maybe even early 80s. Uh, so, so Daniel is an old man, and, and uh, that's one of the reasons probably why Belshazzar didn't even think to summon him. And he's unfamiliar with him. And so Daniel comes, and he is ready to interpret. But he has a message for uh, Belshazzar, first of all. I encourage you to read this whole chapter. But basically in the message, he refers back to his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, and how uh, he was powerful. He was able to, uh, to do mighty things. And not only was he powerful, but he was arrogant, and God had to bring him down. He told him about that story, uh, the story he was familiar with. Uh, and, and, and told him how uh, he had to humble himself before God and recognize that, that God is the sovereign God over all kingdoms in this world. And then Daniel said, But you, Belshazzar, his son, you have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. I, I want to pick up from where he left there. This is verse 23. He says, Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven, you had the goblets from his temple brought to you, and you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines drank wine from them. You praised the gods of silver, of gold, of bronze, iron, wood, and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honor the God who holds his hand, hold, holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Therefore, he sent the hand that wrote this inscription this is the inscription that was written, many, many tekel parson. What, what is this message? We're, we're really just going to unfold this message here uh, for the rest, remaining part of the time. But uh, this message is actually God's righteous judgment over Belshazzar. And it's written clearly on the wall. It's not something that Belshazzar can cloak with a party. It's not something that he could run from. It is God's impending judgment or God's coming judgment upon Belshazzar. And, and, and that's the truth. There is no escaping God's, God's righteous judgment. There is definitely no escaping for Belshazzar of God's righteous judgment. And, and it's a reminder to you and I today. And I know those that I'm speaking to understand this. There is no escaping God's righteous judgment. There's no escaping God's righteous judgment. Let's look at, at the meaning of these words and just unfold these. First of all, in, in the, on the handwriting on the wall, it's many, many. And, and from that, we learn that God knows and numbers our days. God knows and numbers our days. What he was saying to Belshazzar, and, and the reason it was used twice is because there's a couple of meanings that could be drawn from this and is drawn out of that verse in verse 26. He says, God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. So God has numbered your days. I mean, he, he uh, if you understand even his, his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar, knew that, that it's God who is sovereign, who is almighty, is the one who sits rulers in those positions. He set Belshazzar, uh, poor king that he was, but he placed Belshazzar in that position in the time that he ruled. And, and now he is going to end his day. His, his, the numbers have been counted, and it's time for it to end. Um, Daniel's message, I want to go back to that. Daniel's message before he does all this interpreting said, in verse 22, he says, you knew all this. Now, if we look back at Nebuchadnezzar, so while God spent some time, you know, 
dealing with Nebuchadnezzar, even sending him into madness, didn't bring judgment upon him, did not, uh, or, or did not absolutely condemn him and, and end his life there. Instead, he, he brought him into madness, brought him to repentance to where Nebuchadnezzar finally came to the great conclusion, you are God and you rule. But for Belshazzar, you say, wow, he got, he got this shaft. I mean, it just comes to this story. And said, but, but the truth is, Belshazzar knew exactly the story of Nebuchadnezzar. He knew that, that uh, his, his, great, uh, his, his, his grandfather was a great king, a mighty king, even more so after he became humbled and recognized God's sovereignty. That's what the scripture says, chapter 4. Look, look back. That, that it said that, that he became even greater as a king once he recognized that God is sovereign. Once he, he recognized that truly the one in charge is God. Now Belshazzar had the opportunity with that message before him to grow up knowing, uh, and, and I even had the, 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 the understanding, we, we have no other reason to understand that, Belsh, that Nebuchadnezzar ended his life uh, returning back uh, turning his back on God once again. That, that the great possibility is that he lived out the rest of his days honoring God and, and, and understanding his, his, uh, uh, his, his worship of that God. And so Belshazzar had an opportunity through his grandfather to know the truth of who really is in charge. And yet he ignored it. He said, uh, matter of fact, verse 24, there's a key verse in here. And listen to this. One of the things Daniel says, you did not honor the God who holds in his hand your life and all your ways. Within that one sentence, uh, Daniel is making it sure clear that, that, hey, it's God is the one who holds. He numbers your days. He directs your ways. And, and Belshazzar completely, completely missed it. Uh, I, I think that that we could be told, you know all this. What message has, have we learned, have we understood, except what we see in the scriptures? And we're not, we're not thinking clear back to Nebuchadnezzar because we have a message so much closer in our time. Even more personal is that message of Jesus. When he came into this world, one of his great messages is the sovereignty of God. The, the great power of God that he, he personified it, coming in in his son Jesus and performed things that are go beyond our abilities. They were miraculous. He walked upon the water. He calmed the storm. Uh, he, he healed the lame. And, and even his final action uh, through his death, he was then raised from the dead and lives forever. The, his, the sovereignty of God is provided for us in Jesus. And we know this. How are you living? How are you living? Are you living according to that sovereignty of God? Are you living every day knowing that he is in control? I, I mean, whether you have a business or your home or your family, that actually God is in control. He's the one who rules. I, and when, if we understand that, then we humbly live that sovereignty. We humbly live under his kingship, under his lordship, and that he rules and I don't. It puts a peace in my life in even times of difficulty, whether it's this virus or anything else that might happen, that will happen, I'll say, in the future. It is God who is in control. Nothing is escaping him. And, and when it's out of my control, 
I, I could be confident that I'm under his control and that it's not beyond his. Charles Swindoll uh, said this, acceptance is taking from God's hand absolutely anything he chooses to give us, looking up into his face in love and trust, even in thanksgiving, and knowing that the confines of the hedge within which he has placed us are good, even perfect, however painful they may be, simply because he himself has given them. That's living under the, the, the sovereignty of God. He rules, I don't, and I'm good with that. How about you? Are you good with his sovereignty, with his control, and to live under that? Belshazzar, Belshazzar did not. He chose uh, to, he was in charge, he was in rule, and, and became fearful when all, it all fell apart. The next word is tekel, in, in that, that uh, message on the wall. And uh, it, it reveals to us that God's righteous judgment brings condemnation. condemnation. God's right judgment brings condemnation. Tekel, in, in verse 27, is translated this way by Daniel. He says, you have been weighed on the scales. You've been weighed on the scales, and Belshazzar, you've been found lacking. You've been found, uh, you've been found wanting. Belshazzar comes under God's judgment and he is condemned because he does not measure up uh, to God's uh, expectation. He does not measure up to what God created him for. Belshazzar, uh, in Belshazzar's life, Belshazzar ruled. It was his decisions, his ways. And when things got out of his control, what did he do? He threw a party? He threw a party. We've you know, matter of fact, you even think about what happened to Israel when they were at that mountain waiting for Moses to come down. Well, he, Moses isn't going to come. So what did they do? Well, they built an idol. And, and as a result of building that idol, they began to have revelry, is what my version says. That means they began to throw a party, uh, worshiping the God who brought them there and who's going to take them back to Egypt. Uh, I, I don't know why... It really comes into when you are afraid and you panic, people do strange things. And perhaps we've seen it. Perhaps we've seen some, some of the conversations and, and messages we've, we've had because of this epidemic. People just uh, saying incredible things like, oh, you'll never shake hands again. But in this passage, our God rules Belshazzar missed that whole thing. The God who holds Belshazzar and his, all his ways in his hand, Belshazzar did not respect, did not humble himself and follow. You and I, you and I, think about this message and, and just say that, that we too will come under God's and have come under God's judgment. And, and when we're weighed out, how, how do we look? <laughs> right? We're found wanting. We're found lacking because God is holy. And if anything, we say we are unholy. We, we will never weigh and be right uh, apart from anything else in, in our lives. Because here's, what, here's how God measures. God measures everything. He measures our actions. He measures our words. He measures our thoughts. Really, that is a sobering thought. I, earlier this week, as I was thinking about just this, this one phrase that God weighs us and finds us lacking, that's me, isn't it? I, I, that's my life. I think about how I could be condemned over anything. I've done stupid things, I've spoken stupid words, and I've had, oh man, the thought life. 
even to be honoring of God. It's not. It doesn't weigh correctly. And matter of fact, it in, I end up absolutely under God's condemnation. And you do too. You do too. We deserve God's judgment because we don't represent that. We don't live that holiness of God. No one is able to stand before God's judgment. Now, under Belshazzar's condemnation, the word parson it concludes it. Here's his judgment. He, he tells, uh, he, 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 under that judgment of, of God, he says, your kingdom's gonna be divided and it's gonna be given to the Medes and Persians. Here's the end, today is the end of your kingdom. And that evening, that evening, Belshazzar is assassinated. In history, basically it's just said the son of Nabonibus is, is killed and, and Babylon falls as King Darius takes the throne. Or, or actually, Persia. Persia is, is now in rule with Darius the Mede uh, over Babylon. Uh, Belshazzar was just in a hopeless state. A hopeless state or a helpless state in the fact that, that uh, he chose to live his life and rule as he desired and the directions he wanted to take. And, and we've been there. But, but I, I want to finish with this. The, the truth and the reality is that today our only hope is found in Jesus. Really, the only hope that anyone could have that even Belshazzar would have had is if God would have shown him mercy. Nebuchadnezzar, I think, received God's mercy when he uh, humbled himself before him. But Belshazzar had no excuse. No excuse. He knew the message. He knew uh, the God. He knew the story of his grandfather. Now, we have no excuse. We, we absolutely have no excuse because what's been made available for us is though we've been found lacking or wanting, we, uh, in, in Romans 3.23, the, the fact that we've fallen short of the glory of God, that what God has done to, through, to us or for us through Jesus as he has shown us his mercy by sending his son in order to pay that debt of sinfulness. We have the opportunity. We have a message and it declares that we have salvation through Jesus. Is that your life? Is that your life? It means that we now come under that sovereignty of God and live without the worries of this world, without the troubles that even come upon us even in that day because God is in charge. And, and so living under that sovereignty, living within the forgiveness that we have through Jesus Christ is how we live our lives today as believers as people who recognize his sovereignty, who will respect him and honor him and pursue him, no matter the excuses, or no matter the, the, uh, uh, the, the situation, the ugliness that we face in every day. To that, man, I love the story of Jesus. Don't you? I love the story of Jesus. I love the place of, of being able to look at myself and know I absolutely do not measure up to the holiness of God, but Jesus absolutely does. And that's why his blood covers you and I. Do not be foolish like Belshazzar. You know, and, and one of the things where you find when troubles comes, 
finding yourself in fear and 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 difficulty and and frustrated and know what's going to happen instead there's a calm and a peace knowing that god is in control and and we're ready and prepared for whatever because he has our future uh planned out as well uh do you know jesus do you know jesus i don't know uh, all who's watching there might be someone watching today who's never been challenged to really truly think about God and his sovereignty and his provision of Jesus for us to live a life without the fear of this world and its difficulties. Uh, Our invitation today is to always have that opportunity to receive him. He's available to, to all who will humble themselves, repent, and accept Jesus. So if that's your decision today, let us know. There's an open chat there or contact us through email or, or through website, however you want to do. Or maybe maybe today, even though we know Jesus, we've been allowing fear to rule over us instead of God's rule and to trust him and put confidence. So therefore, there's reasons for us to pray. Let's do that right now. Father in heaven, we praise you. We thank you always for Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the word that we have, that we can look at history and know how you work through it, how you've worked through kings, removing, uh, adding to, and, and, and continue to do that today through presidents and, and, and those who rule in the world today. You still are in charge. Father, in our own personal lives, we need to know that we're not in charge, that we belong to you. And, and our lives are in your hands, and so are our ways. Help us to live in accordance with that. And, and Lord, within our hearts, may we be praying and saying, and each day, may your kingdom come, may your will be done. May it first be happening here in our lives. And, and Lord, that, that each day we walk forward is more for your kingdom than for our own. Lord, may our, our kingdom has fallen, it is gone, and your kingdom, Lord, is eternal. And that's what we want to be a part of. We praise you, Father, for the message that we have today. May it be an encouragement and strength to us all. It's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.